Where are you cutting out celebration? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment today, we have Alex Terranova, professional certified coach, founder of the Dream Mason Inc., and author of Fictional Authenticity. I love this man so much. We met in our coach training program, and after an entire year of intense, immersive training, we came out uh, better humans and coaches for the world. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. Cutting out celebration. This has been a conversation that I've been in pretty commonly for the past seven years with clients and friends and family members. And it's the concept that we wait to celebrate until we've reached a goal or a milestone, or when we've done that big project that we were finally able to to reach the very end, that's when most people celebrate. And much like Alex and I talk about in this episode you're about to listen to, If you wait till the end to celebrate, you're cutting out the journey along the way. So something I look at are where are ways that I can celebrate daily? Sometimes I'll write five things at the end of the day that I think went well, and I actually celebrate them in the moment. And look, I'm not the kind of girl that is going to have a massive celebration for every little thing. That's, That's just not who I am. And part of me learning to love myself again and enjoy my journey here on earth is giving myself credit for some of the things I've done. So that might look like at the end of the day, hey, I sent out that really hard email that I wasn't expecting to send out. And that's a big step because I moved past my fear of sending it out. Or it was a win today that I actually got outside and walked the dogs for a solid 30 minutes instead of only 10 minutes in between calls. These are wins because what it's having me be present to is my daily journey and how I'm living my life, how I'm experiencing my life. It also has me win in the moment so that I'm not waiting for that final goal to say, okay, now I can relax and experience some joy or happiness or peace. So take a look every day. What are five things that you can celebrate, big or small? And will you actually allow yourself to acknowledge that they happened and that you got to experience them because you said so? So excited you're here with me today. Thank you for being here. Um, you are such a brother in so many ways to me. Like when I think about our relationship and and all that we've been through, um, which we'll we'll get into in a second a little bit of, but I really think of you as brother, like the the person that I can call and bounce ideas off of, the person that will call me out, uh, the person I can fight with and come back to the table <laughs> and just always be family. So thank you for being here. It's so, I love that you put it that way too, because I never, 
I think I, th- I taught when we talked the other day, I said to you, like, I think of you as one of my closest friends, even though we don't talk all the, right. We don't talk once a week. Sometimes we don't talk nope. once a month, nope. but <laughs> because of our journey together and the experience we have, and I think the way we know each other, it does feel, I love that you said family. Cause it does feel like that because with the family members that you, that matter to you or that connect with you, you don't have to talk to all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, my cousin Chelsea and yeah. Chelsea's is someone who, right? Like while her sister, Brittany, I talked to almost like, like, on, like every other day, but Chelsea is somebody I might talk to once a month. But when we talk, it's like no time has gone by. And I feel that same way with you, which is also ironic that you met her and are working with her now because she was the I know, person this I is told you, right? When we first <laughs> met, I was like, oh, there's yeah. like a, it's not like you guys are the same. There's something about like your essence that I was, that reminded of who you were when we first met reminded me of her. I remember. And you and Brittany both had been such a stand for me to meet Chelsea for a long time. And um, I remember having a call with her a long time ago, um, but then we just reconnected recently and she's done uh, amazing work that we're so excited to have her on the platform with the C-Suite Collective. So, um, well, let's jump right in. I I would love to know... Um, What's in your space these days? Like, what are you talking about with clients? What's the, the thing that's coming up? It's evolved so much. And I think that's like a natural process as a, well, look, any industry, right? If you're, if you're in any industry and you're not evolving, there's a, there's a problem. <laughs> um, but as, as a coach, you know, we go through, when we start out coaching, who do we coach? Probably anyone that will let us, Right. Um, and I think that's the same if you're a business owner, you're like anyone that will give you business, you're probably like, yes, like right when you're getting started. And then we start to figure out what we like and what we don't like and who we want, who, who we're serving better, who, you know, again, it doesn't matter if this is, we could talk about any type of business. For me, something that I've really noticed that's really filtered into my coaching is over the last, since we met, like basically like almost eight years ago, I've created the life that I want personally, right? Like the world is not the world I want, but like in my personal little bubble, I've created the life that I want. And it wasn't easy to create and it was super messy. And there were tons of, you know, falling down and scraping your knees and crying and learning how to cry and all that. Um, And in that realizing that the results actually aren't the thing that I got the results. And then I'm like, oh, now what's the next thing, right? Now I got to create another goal. It's always another goal and it never ends. And I felt like I was so over that. Oh, what, I'm going to write another book. I'm going to have another podcast. I'm going to get another client. Like who cares? And I got to this point where I really was like, wait, it's cliche to say it's all about the journey, right? We're always like, oh, you're like, it's all about the journey. But I really got to see that it's actually about, it's not the journey, it's the experience you have on the journey and how that's what was next for me. It's not about writing another book or building my business or making a difference in in whatever way in the world. It's the experience I have of that process. And so that's actually, as I started bringing that to my clients, it started changing our conversations where it was like, great, we know you want to double what your business does, but how do you want it to feel? How do you actually want to feel in that? 
And the and it like woke them it woke people up to to say things like I have a client who's like I want to feel like I'm having like a Parisian life and I was like what does that mean and she's like like you know if we lived in Paris and we would like wake up and walk down the streets and we would sit and get a cappuccino and like talk about what we're gonna do and we would work but there's this ease and that she's not gonna not work but how does she create the results she wants from that place so when we get to the end of the day if she got the result. Cool. Great. Right. We all want our results. But if she doesn't get to the end, if she doesn't get the results at the end, well, 99% of her time was actually spent living this lifestyle that she loved. And the, the result becomes like, you know, frosting on the top of a really good cake. And also if you love it, well, and you don't hit it, well, you're probably going to go again because you love the experience. But if we get the thing and we're like, wow, I just won the championship and I hated my teammates and I didn't like the people I work with and I was miserable the whole time, probably not going to want to do it again. And also like, is it worth it? Because then it's just over, right? Like then it's like, we're done. Now what? Man, I love this image that you're using too. And thanks for the specific example. Cause that's where I was going in my head is like, what does that actually look like tangibly? And my experience, my experience of my experience of living my life yeah. is that when uh, my coach is very similar to you, right? All we talk about is experiential, um, ways of being in my life. And what I noticed when I first started this work, um, meaning looking at the experience instead of the goals, which I would say, even when I started coaching, that was still not something I was looking at for a couple of years into coaching. All goals, right? Like right. all goals. It was right? all goals, all yeah. goals, all building, still, still very much, you know, a um, high performance, high achiever mentality. And what I noticed when I first started this work is I was really afraid of that question. And so I'm curious for you, how do you work with people that come in the door like me that maybe never was afforded the opportunity to talk about what I experienced? Because in my culture, with my family, it wasn't about how you feel. Like, first of all, feelings sure. were like 20 miles down the road, right? <laughs> but it was, it was literally, um, what will you achieve so that you are mm -hmm. safe, protected, and healthy, mm -hmm. right? And so what, how, do you, how do you open this door with people that um, have this safety factor, attached to it. Oh, I should, I want to say too, I felt the same way, right? Even as, as I don't know, I don't know how you, you know, like economically how you grew up, but for me, like we always had everything we needed, right? We weren't like the richest. We definitely weren't the poorest, but I really relate to like my growing up years as like, I had everything I needed plus. And yet everyone was still afraid all the time always worried about money, always stressed out, always anxiety. Like to think about, man, what would that experience have been like if we were actually poor or we had some other, you know, really challenging issue like dis disability or, you know, if you were, a, you know, a group that is, is really disenfranchised and really struggling with that. Like we had kind of all the benefits and all the things. And yet when I think about my childhood and I love my parents, I love my grandparents, we had it. We had everything that you needed and yet there was always like fear, like scarcity and stress and anxiety and what's going to happen if this bad thing happens. That How much does that suck, right? To think that I really, I think I really got present to this when I had this guy show up to me, this, this potential client and he's like, I make a million dollars a year and he's like 30 years old and he's married and he has kids and he kind of was like, what are you going to tell me? I make a million dollars a year. I make more money than you, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was like very like empowered around that money thing. 
and I, and when we, as we got to talking, it was so clear how like his life wasn't working, right? His marriage was about to fall apart. He was not connected with his kids. He wasn't connecting with other men in his world. And he basically was like on this Island with bags of money. And I remember, and I said to him like, what a waste of all that money. Wasn't the whole point of getting the money so you could love your life and have it like, what a waste of a million dollars a year. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's like kind of, and, and that, like that person was probably one of the first people that when it, when I heard how it landed for that guy and he was like, oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I did the thing, he grew up really poor. So it was all about like, well, if we just had money, right then it would, things right. would be better. So mm-hmm. he went all in on that and he's amazing, right. In, in what he's created, but like his life wasn't working. And so I think when, when people are when people come in and they're they're maybe they don't get it or they've never seen it like this, a, a picture that I love to paint, uh, which might be a little controversial when people hear is like, so our lives are a ship, right? Is it a Disney cruise? Is it a pirate ship? Is it a Navy vessel? Right? There's so many different kinds of ships, right? Is it a, is it just like you and me have way big of a, too big of a yacht and we're just on it? <laughs> so it's like your life is a ship. Who you are is the kind of ship that it is, right? So you and I, we care about people. It's not going to be a pirate ship, right? Like a pirate ship is like violence and like toxicity and like hurting others and stealing. It's probably also not going to be a Disney cruise. We don't have kids. We're not like mm-hmm. fully in just like mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. There's there's some, I don't know what our, right, what our cruise ship would be. So yeah. I like, in it's like, hey, what's your cruise ship? What would you want it to be if that was your life? So a client will say, you know, whatever they want, you know, and it's like, okay, so what kind of people are on that cruise ship with you? Right. Again, pirate ship, it's very clear versus a Disney cruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then who, because of that type of ship, that's how people behave, right? It's, it's fully acceptable on a pirate ship to behave a certain way. And that way of behaving would not be acceptable on a Navy vessel, right? And a Navy vessel would not be acceptable on a Disney cruise, and then, so that's kind of like who you're being, what the experience is like, and who are the people in it. And that's the experience you're like creating. That's the thing we're cultivating. And then it's like, where is our ship headed? Mm-hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. the goal. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, we're just on the ship doing the ship things, right? We're, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're, maybe we're working, maybe we're playing, maybe we're causing havoc and destruction of other ships. And I found that. Clients really are like, oh my God, that's so cool. I get to decide the way, like my ship I say is like, is like an adventure vacation ship. I want to feel mm-hmm. like I'm on vacation, but I also want to have this, like, I don't know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and my, where I'm going is to, I want to be the kind of ship that provides value to people, always provides value. That makes makes any conversation like giving things. Um, and I want to have fun and I want there to be integrity and discipline. And then the results become things like books and, you know, podcasts and things. Does that like. Yeah, no, that completely helps answer it. Cause I even hear with the metaphor, people can actually ground themselves outside of their circumstances for a second, you know, and just see if everybody's on a boat, where would we start from, you know, or how do you even build the ship? So it's a great entry point. Um, how is this way of being affected your life? Like, what are the gifts that you're getting from it for yourself? Well, the first, I think having not had it 
be what I wanted to start. Like having, like I did not create, this ship wasn't created like when we started coaching together, you know, seven yeah, no. years ago. This was not the experience of my life. So, and I didn't even know at that time, like this, I'm looking, I'm, I've created this metaphor and this idea after the fact, right? Like seeing what I built. So what it's done is it's, I would say everybody has some version of money stuff, right? We all have some wacky stuff with money. It's shifted the way I relate to money, whether I have it, whether I don't. I'm, I, it's changed my relationship to my experience of my day to day. If I don't have money today or I owe money today or a big bill comes in or I get a lot of money, nothing's actually different about right now, right? Like right now, if you, if somebody walked into my office and put a bag of 20 K on the ground, nothing, nothing changes, right? Like I'm exactly me. The world's exactly it is. And if all of a sudden a bill shows up that says I owe 20 K right now in the present moment, nothing's also changed. But in the past, not having that direction, that would have just created so much anxiety and so much fear seeing like a bill come in like that, that, that the right now would have been ruined, even if that bill wasn't due for two weeks or 30 days. And then it makes handling that almost impossible, right? Cause you're just in fear and like react, you're reacting to it. Same thing with like, if it was a good one, right? Like they dropped 20 K now I'm like, over the moon for this thing, but nothing's actually different. And then a few days from now, when I've spent the money, nothing's actually different. <laughs> and so being like, wait, what is this about? Like, how can I use this to like maybe amplify my experience? So I think for me, it's been about really getting clear. I want my life to be about value. I want it to be about adventure. I want it to be about play and fun. I want to have really high levels of integrity. I want to feel like if a camera was watching me, my partner could watch me and be like, I'm okay with what he's doing when I'm not around, right? Like, it might not be what I would do, right? It might, but I'm like, that's the kind of person I want to be. And I would want to kind of feel the same way, that everything is kind of open and transparent, even the things that we might be like have shame or sat or, you know, disappointment around. Um, and so it's created a life like that where I have a partner where we get to talk about what we're upset about, what we feel shame about, what we feel disappointment about, that we get to celebrate together. I get to have client relationships that are transparent like that, that I get to say, I screwed this up or I, I messed up or I want to apologize. Right? I get, like, and so life feels easier regardless of how it's going, like regardless of the results, life actually just feels easier and enjoyable most, a lot more of the time. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Like, it's so fun to watch you get lit up, too, about from from this experiential place versus, you know, who I knew us to be, both of us back then, was to get lit up about achievements and, you know, checking boxes, which was kind of us just recreating our own patterns again, you know, yeah. where we came from. Do you get, I, I noticed the, if you had like, if if you just had the best, let's say, financial day of your life, right? Like that happened yeah. today, you know, or yeah. maybe you had the best week, whatever, but some big monumental kind of external achievement, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have the experience mm -hmm. where you kind of get like a high from it? And then there's like a fall off on the other side somewhere. I used to, okay. I think from, I think from the way that we, we were describing how we used to be before yeah. 100%. <laughs> there was this, like, there was lots of slopes all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Ups and downs. 
And now what I notice is when I have a big achievement because of this experiential based work that I've been doing the past two years, really with my coach, um, I get quiet, I get really still. And so for me, uh, what I notice is I've trained myself to, you know, or I would say the automatic reaction now, as opposed to this is amazing. And then a crash and burn later is checking in with, um, how does this actually feel right now? And when I do that, it's, uh, I was just having a conversation right before this call with a client about self-love and, and, you know, to me, like, I don't know, Alex, you probably, I know when I met you, we, we both had a lot of judgments around self-love and what that was. And, you know, that it's a fluffy word that sure. kind of exists in like, you know, woo-woo territory and also wellness and self-development territory. But what I've learned is that any way that I can be kind or compassionate to myself is my version of self-love. Yeah. And so for me, these the experience of me creating anything in my life now is an opportunity for me to check in and have that moment of peace and kindness. Whereas in the past, what you're talking about, it would have been a very ambition-based drive. Mm -hmm. Like, hell yeah, I got that. Look at me, right? Like, So it would have been mm -hmm. a lot of ego, honestly, mm -hmm. like ego-based um, celebration versus now it just all feels very, um, calm and quiet, mm. which is fun, which is all I've ever really wanted as on That's my boat. <laughs> yeah. you know? so. I, the adventure part of my experience and does still create that for me. And it's something that I still am challenged by is I have these amazing hot, like all it's, I'm enjoying the journey, right? So I'm enjoying the experience and the journey and I'm having it go exactly how I want. And then often you produce the result because if you're having a great time and you're lit up, the odds of you producing the result, right? Like I'm picturing like a sports team. If the players are like lit up and they love to play together and they're having a good time, right? And they're almost like they, they're like youthful in their energy. They're going to perform better than like the team that's like bitter and angry at each other and not connecting. And they're just like, we have to win, that the likelihood of them getting what they want is is more likely. And when they get it, they really get to celebrate, right? You really get to like let really, it's it's kind of a continuation actually. It's not like a, the discipline team that gets to celebrate now suddenly has this shift. But I noticed that for me still afterwards, I still have like a, I get a hangover. Mm, it's sort so, of an yeah. emotional hangover. It's yeah. sort of a... Um, wait, what now hangover? And I, and I do still have to get back into, I have to get back onto my ship almost. It's like you docked for a minute and I have to get back on and like recalibrate. And I think for self-love for me is about actually be stop not fighting that experience that like, if I'm having a sad day or I'm having a hangover style day, not literal hangover, but like, you know, an emotional or, or winning hangover yeah. Yeah. to actually just be like, it's okay. And I even would phrase this as like, there's no sports team that wins all their games. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just play a bad game. And as a coach, I think sometimes it would serve you to go, let's just like, let this one go. Let's not even watch the game film. Let's just move <laughs> on and let it go and just yeah. accept it. Like, Hey, we had a bad day. Yeah. And I think that, I think for a lot of high performers and people that do have high achievements to sometimes just say, Hey, you know what? Today, just I just lost. Today's a, an L, not a yep. W. And I'm going to yep. just let it be that. And I'm not going to fight for it to be something different. I'm just going to be okay with it being a day that I didn't win. Mm -hmm. That's so good. 
Well, and that kind of leads me to the next, um, you know, area that I wanted to explore with you. You know, one of the things that we stand for in the world, meaning the C-Suite Collective and myself, is really around culture shifts, looking at uh, change straight in the face. You know, what are you afraid of? Even if it's like you just said, like, are you willing to just have it be a loss and be okay? In my work, a lot of the things I'm interested in with uh, inclusion and belonging come from different varieties and backgrounds of people and their experiences, their lived experience. And then how do they operate in their own culture that way? And so um, you've been so generous to offer talking about being a white cisgender male that is, you know, approaching some of these concepts from a paradigm that, that you know, we're talking about in the world right now, shifting. Yeah. And so um, would you share a little bit about your experience and how you're working through that? Yeah. You know, I, I noticed over the last few years specifically, right? Because probably before that, I I want to think like I was relatively aware. Like I was relatively aware that I had it good. Let's just like as simple as that, right? Like as a straight white man, right? I never had to come home and have, a, have to think about if I was going to have a conversation with my parents about like being gay, right? Like it was just, I was just... I'm quoting, air quoting for people, like I was normal, right? I didn't have to. And and again, I, I remember being a teenager and being pulled over all the time. And that was annoying because I would get a ticket. I would have to, right, like pay something. But I, I, I was like, I was kind of aware, like, oh, it might not be like this for other people, but not fully, right? Like, so I wasn't totally naive about like the world. I remember playing baseball in high school where I was the only white guy on a team of mostly Hispanics and black guys. And, and seeing that like their life was not like mine, right? Like we, the neighborhoods we lived in, the, the, our, the way and, and having to actually show up differently with those men to be accepted, right? In that, in that moment, I was the minority, but I was really never right. Because as a society, it's not about the individual, it's, it's the collective. And in the last few years, one of the things I've really gotten have like beautiful experiences with is get to understand other people's experiences. And this started really when, when George Floyd was murdered, I remember saying to my coach, Mark, who, you know, at the time was, I don't, I don't know, old 50 year old black man, um, who I think we both like deeply admire and respect mm -hmm. saying to I him, know. I don't want to do my coaching session today. I, I really want to like understand what it's like to be you. And I didn't even know what I was asking, right? Like, but I knew like what was happening in the world, like just didn't feel right. Like that's not a, I have zero fear of being killed by police, right? That's not right. even in my consciousness. Right. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not even in the scope of anything that could happen to me. And I remember like, so being where we, that's a, there's literally people that leave the house every day and that's like their biggest fear. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, that like, it doesn't compute, right? And he kind of shared with me his experience of what it's like to be in his body, right? Him in the world. And I was so moved, like, so like, I remember like tearing up and feeling like, like heartbroken for that. This is this experience. And I got to see it really, like really feel like as much as, as I can, right? Cause we can't ever really know what it's like to be in anyone else's shoes. But I think that's sometimes as close as we can get is to really just let someone share their experience with us. And I remember thinking, you know, when we, as we talk about like women's rights, saying to my partner, I've never thought about that. Like when I go to a doctor, that a doctor could like make choices for me without me having a say, 
that's not as a man, that's just not a, that's not a thing. And then, and then thinking how, how screwed up like that? I could wait. What if I went to a doctor as a man and the doctor was like, Hey, so this is, might be what you want, but we can't do that. Or we're going to do this because it's your only op, right? And not actually having, and if you think about even as something as simple as like birth control, mm-hmm. like that as a woman and most of the women in our generation, I think like, it's like they started having sex, they got on birth control. Yep. And so for yep. what, the last 30 years, it's like women have just been putting chemicals in their body so they don't get pregnant. And as a man, like, I don't have to do anything. Like, I don't, it's just like, right. Getting aware of these things. You're like, wait, what is, how do we live in a, in a world where some people just so like literally don't have choices that other people have. And it's not based. I think the, the real conversation, especially around privilege was when I, when I thought about like, and it's not based on anything that you do or don't do. That was like the, cause I remember hearing white people say things like, but I work hard and it was like, mm. great. We don't want to take that <laughs> yeah. away. And, and getting that, but your skin color never had anything to do with what you did or didn't accomplish. Right. So yeah. me, like take me and, and anybody that's not white cisgendered and we do the, we live the exact same life, do the exact same things. And my sexuality, my gender, my skin color is never in consideration, right? On my application of a job, no one's like, oh, I wonder where this guy's from. And again, and even I have like an Italian last name, but no, that's, it's, it's white, right? Like it, whereas if you had like a, an African like last name or maybe something from the Caribbean or something like, you know, that wasn't pronounceable immediately that tells somebody something about you. And now your, your gender or your race like comes into play. A lot of, of it is um, subconscious, right? Like conditioned that we like, we're not even aware of. And I think that like was like, that just feels crappy, right? I don't have to give up. I don't have to like give up anything, right? I don't have to like, but I can want everyone to have what I have. And I think that made it really empowering. Like, Hey, Elena, you and, and, you know, and your partner are not trying to take anything from me. We simply want, why can't you have the exact same opportunities that I have? And from a place of, wait, that's a possibility. Like, that's true abundance. If I think that that's not possible, then I'm actually living in a scarcity mentality. And then I'm, and now I'm suffering from it also, which is, I think, the world we see, right? For me to keep my white cisgendered power I have to keep other people from having things, but that ultimately keeps me because then I'm living in a whole world of, of scarcity and lack, which again, takes away from my, so it's like everybody loses, even though they don't, I think they don't think they're losing, but look at white men in our world, like highest suicide rates. Like, you know, there's all these issues that, that, that white men deal with and they're not, I'm not relating to them as like victims of this thing, but it's like the consequences of full circle. It impacts everyone. Everyone, the and, the and the people with the power, the white men, actually have the ability to really make a difference mm-hmm. and make the changes. Where, like, because you know, that's obviously where the power is. Well, and how are you working with white men? Because I know that's something you're very passionate about. After having your own experiences and moving moving through some of these conversations, and I really, I really got to say, I love that it goes back to the collective because it is in the groundwater. It's everywhere, and it affects everyone everywhere, right? And so when we really when we really get down to that, there was this beautiful training done by a group, a shout out to the soul focus group 
who uh, has been making their rounds in the coaching community. And their um, racial and equity healing training program really speaks to this groundwater theory. And so from there, it's like, what I love is we can each find our ways that we want to contribute to the collective in whatever way we we yeah. see fit. So what is that for you with, with white men? Well, I think first off is like always to just be educating myself, right? So I find people that I like really respect and that I like that are willing to like, you know, you as a white man, I can't walk up to like a black guy and like ask him to tell me to, right? That just doesn't, it's not... First of all, it's not his responsibility and right. it's like right. just weird, but yeah. there are people that have chosen to be those people, right? There are people that are, that are the, that are creating the bridges, right? That are writing the books and giving the talks. And I, I like, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Emmanuel Ocho, I don't, I can't, I, ne- I like, I don't know. I've literally never heard him say his last name, but he, mm-hmm. um, he's the author of uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Oh yeah, um, that guy's great. He's amazing. I like, I want to be him, right? He is, and he's like 30 years old and he's, but what I love, what I really love about him is he is a former athlete who still is doing what he's like. So he's so um, like diverse in how he shows up in the world. He gets to do all the sports stuff that it's like the world he comes from. And then he's seen this, he's taken on this role of like diversity and speaking and sharing his message, but he does it in a way that is so, I find like warm and safe. He doesn't make anyone wrong. He simply shares and 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 he does it like through such, I wanna say like gentle and an open heart that I just like wanna listen to everything he has to say. And do I agree with every single thing? Of course not, right? Like that's, but what I notice is by by hearing his experience and the way he tells stories, I'm like, man, I never, I never thought about something like that. I never, I never even considered that's what somebody might be experiencing, right? There's the things that we know, and then there's all these things we don't know. And so finding people that may that can help, that can like have you put down our natural defenses, right? Of, of being wrong in our ego, I think is a great place to go as as a way to learn. Because some stuff, it's like too. Here's like a good example, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, right? Like people could, their their goal was very similar, right? But Malcolm X was a lot more in your face and direct. And for some people that might be too much to start with. Maybe you can get there. And I think that finding someone who you go like, oh, I can see their perspective is a great way. And so I'm constantly like doing that. And then I get to see it in my own life. And I think that's where I have to start because if I'm not doing it, Right. How can I be on the phone with a client if I'm not actually getting aware of my inherent biases and the way I participate in the system and whatnot? Um, and then there's things like I'll give you an actual example. So I had a client who one of his biggest commitments, I have a client, I should say, one of his biggest commitments is to like be a good partner, a good father and a really good boss who takes care of his employees. He has a a group of, you know, he has a bunch of employees, people that work for him. Most of are not white and, and he is cisgendered white man. And one day we were working together and most of our work together had been around like anger and response and and him getting triggered and not showing up as the man he wanted to show up. And, and he's very committed to working on himself and improving and growing, right? We know where his, what kind of ship he wants to be on and where the ship goes. Mm -hmm. Then one day we're on zoom and behind him in his office, he has a fuck Biden thing on the wall and a Trump flag. Mm. Now, 
I don't believe it's my job to tell my clients how they should, right? That's not exactly that's my that's right. Not what we do. Right? It's not what we <laughs> right. do. And I don't think it actually helps anyone, right? Making people be nope. different only has them dig in further into wherever they are. Or making them wrong, right? Like imposing our own stuff is like, totally. that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So I noticed this, right? And at first I noticed I got like a little triggered, right? Like that this is on the wall. Like, you know, what does this mean? And I also noticed that like, this is a professional, this is his office, right? This is a professional setting. And I, and I just said, hey, I noticed, you know, that that stuff on your, you know, I, I on the wall behind you. And I, and I said, really, like, I want to be really clear. I'm not, let's, this isn't a political conversation, right? I don't want to get into like who you like, who you don't like, why, right? That won't go on forever. That's actually a trick that politics uses so we don't have to deal with things. If we make things political, then they never end. We never have to create a solution because then they're political and we can fight. But if we say like, hey, let's just actually talk about the context of something, then we can actually have a con- conversation around it. And I, sh- and I asked him, hey, if you worked at a place and you weren't the owner and you walked into the boss's office and it had fuck anything on the wall, how might you feel? He was like, oh, I don't know. And it was like, okay, let's say it said something that like you disagreed with. Mm-hmm. You know, does again, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, that might be a little awkward. And it was like, yeah, I could, I could see that. Like, and I was like, would you yeah. say something? And he was like, probably not. It's my boss. Right. Like I don't. And I was like, so then it was like, so just as the person and the man you want to be in the world, how does that line up? Right. How does the way you're showing up, like you're bringing your political stance into the workplace and in a very, like, I want to say like in your face kind of way, how does that line up with the man you want to be? And he went, I never, like, never even thought about it like that. And he was like, I feel like I want to be able to talk about what I believe in. And I was like, you should be able to talk about what you believe in. We're not, I'm not, but have you ever thought about the impact that happens outside? And, and he, and he hadn't in this way. Right. And and I want to even paint it even more. The same person, um, one of their family members had an issue with the way they were showing up, like in this conversation and they would get into fights and it was like, and they were heartbroken that their family member saw them as like this way. And we were like, what if you, what would it take for you to be willing to be the man you want to be and simply to understand where they're coming from, why they're so hurt and to, to, for the first time in your relationship, not have to be right or prove a point or convince them of something, but simply to ask them questions about how they feel and why it makes them feel like that. And, and the impact of who you're being, you know, I, I, this person's in coaching, right? So they clearly like are open to. Sure. And they were like, Oh my, I've never thought about this. Right. Like the dynamic, the power dynamic they had in that relationship was always like, I'm, you know, I'm older. I'm the man. I'm, I'm the teacher. I'm the, and that their, their relationship was dramatically being fractured because of that, because of basically being the patriarchal, structure and they so want connection and love and they're so proud like to think about the irony that this person is so proud of how many families he takes care of because of his business which is something to be really proud of he built a business and all these people he gets to pay and feed their families and then the irony of it is that some of them might feel really uncomfortable at work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so 
and and I think and fractured or unseen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think like my hope is that when people, potential people that work with me and men specifically, it's like they look at me and they're like, "Wait, he looks like us, right? He looks like he he's he's a cisgendered white male. He likes things we like. He has you know tattoos, and he kind of like like he carries the masculine energy that we are familiar and comfortable with." Which I, when my hope is that it gives them enough safety that then we can talk about things that are uncomfortable, right? Because if you're safe, you're you're willing to be uncomfortable. But if you don't feel safe, you're you're probably not willing to be uncomfortable. Mm, beautiful, Alex. If you don't feel safe, you're not willing to be uncomfortable. That could summarize so many things. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been um, really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing what you think and what you are working on in the world with everyone. And I think my last question for you was something I ask everybody on the show, but if you had a megaphone that you could lead the world into this next year, the rest of this year, you know, what would you say to the world and what's your hope for the world? Oh man, I'm so glad I don't have a megaphone. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, I don't want it. So, well, I, I say that because <laughs> right now I'm like, I'm, I find that for the most part, I'm like just so disappointed with, with, with all of yeah. us. This isn't yeah. a, that group or this side. Most of the people I even agree with about the world are so righteous that they're not actually able to understand that the the people that they're on the opposite of are are terrified. And I think that most of what we're operating inside of as a world is fear is like running the show on on all the different sides, right? The the the, the left, the right, the up, the down. And so it's so hard because again, you can't, there's nothing I can say or that you can say that's gonna like just suddenly be like, oop, right, we fixed it or changed it. And I find that most of the time right now, it's like, I'm just f- so frustrated and disappointed that I don't know that I'd want a megaphone because I don't, <laughs> I, what I would say would be helpful. No, I get it. And listen, even that, I appreciate that, right? Because a lot of what I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, especially with like the daily news that comes through, yeah, um, is like, how do we get out of this resignation and this numbness? That's, that's at least my experience of what it is yeah. for myself. And um, so you even just sharing where you're at, and what you see is like brilliant leadership. Yeah. So it's, and I don't, you know, I, I think it, it would be on like, it's fine. It's even, even it's like I made, how do I even say this? I was when the, when the leaked row, uh, like, like when that came out, when that leaked article came out and I was really like connecting with, with Evan, my partner about the impact, like I could see the impact on her, right? Like how she got it. And I, and I was trying to like, what would it be like for me, right? We already, we talked about this. I felt like in that moment, I really wanted to say something, right? Like I really wanted to say something. And I remember like I was taking my dog for a walk and I made a video about like men, like it was for men. It was like, imagine if you went, and I kind of said the same thing that I said earlier. And I think the thing is that because there is no magic word to say or anything that's gonna convince or change everything, I think it is like those little things about um, being willing to share 
you know, on a podcast like this or on social media or with your friends and family. My mom called me the other day and was sharing with me how she noticed she had a racist thought. She'd be, I feel like she'd be so mm. upset if I like shared this on the, <laughs> but what she shared with me was she goes, I saw something and I had, and I, and I thought something. And then immediately she goes and I went, Oh my God, that was so racist. And I was like, mm. mom, that's, 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 that's it. That's yeah. yeah. And she goes, no, I know. I was really proud of myself that I noticed that it was inherent. Like it was like programmed. And then I, that I took myself out of it. And I was like, yeah, that that's, that's how we all change. And we were talking about how she's a, she was like, I'm, but I'm afraid to share that with like some women that I was like hanging around with. And I was like, well, that's the next level, right. To, for you to put down your fear of being afraid that they might think you're a racist or that they might, or you might say it wrong that, that it's really about where you're coming from. And I think that like, if we're coming from our heart, we can say, we can be with people that are different from us and like share our confusion or our thoughts or the things that the prejudice or racist thoughts that we all have at different, in different ways and different times. And people, if they know we're coming from our heart, they're like open to it. They'll say, you know, they'll share their experience or their thoughts. So I, I think that would be my thing I don't know how you say that, right? Like, I mean, I just did it, I guess, but um, it's yeah, something if around. If I just like, sum it up, it's like open-hearted, like lead with an open heart and love. <laughs> yeah. And be be aware it's going to hurt. It's going to be messy, you know? And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Alex, anything else you want to share? Dying to share before we mm. say our goodbye? I don't... I mean, I would say if like anything from this conversation, if, if any, if, if something new came up for anybody and they're, you know, and they're like curious of just, even if it's just like the, you know, often people are like, if you want to work with me, like whatever, I don't care. It's more like, Hey, if any of this resonates and you simply want like places to look or places to go or like a book to read or a thought, like reach out. I'm like all about, I think I shared earlier, but like my biggest commitment is to like, if I can just provide value. And so that's not in like exchange for money or exchange for friendship. It's like, I just want to provide value. So if someone listening to this is like, I might be able to provide something to you in any way, like reach out and I, you know, I'm happy to do that. Thank you so much for your generosity. I love you. I love you so much. Thanks for your heart, your soul, your, your willingness to be in tough conversations, your growth, your uh, passion for change in the world. And service to humanity. So thanks so much for being thanks. here. I love you too. Thanks for having me on. It's really cool what you're doing. It's fun to see how full circle you're, you know, on some of the early episodes of my podcast. So I know. That's right. That we gotta link that one too. Time. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. So all right. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> <laughs>